0: Welcome to The Roadshow, we're your hosts Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about running. And South Africa, it brings heart,
1: people together, it breaks numbers. down barriers. Yeah,
0: right? My passion winning, to be the best, Being the best, is something we strive Self-care for. This crucial role
1: is high great, passion, fiction,
0: fiction. Gold. ultimate goal. Glory, relentless training, pain. pain. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to another banging episode of the Row Show. As always, it's myself, Lawrence Britton, and with me,
1: it's Jake Green, and we're really excited today. We're bringing you some uh, uh, interview and a discussion that we had with a, a rower from Ireland, one Philip Doyle, and uh, we had a really awesome chat and I think interesting insight into you know his life and his journey. And I think Philip has uh, you know had a very unique, is a bit unlike. Um, other people's and also you know balancing that with being a medical um, a medical doctor you know it's just it's really interesting because i think most rowers out there they don't have that you know that kind of level of commitment to do both and yeah i think huge name in the rowing scene what him and ronan have been doing in the double over the last couple years has been has been wild and definitely a huge combination look forward through going to the future
0: for sure for sure and you know like as you say he was uh, you know, he's such a phenomenal athlete, but he had a very difficult time and he's kind of come into the team. He almost tried to come into the team earlier. Things didn't go his way. The team then started to evolve, started to change, you know, maybe through the, the success of the of the lightweights from uh, 2016. And then he sort, kind of got that opportunity. And then I think uh, things rocketed very quickly for him. So it was it was uh, really, really cool to chat to him. And I think the, the listeners are going to love this episode and also just the speed at which he went from being like not sure if he was going to take rowing very seriously and and loving his medical uh, career to like full on into rowing and you know looking for for the top spots at the games and then obviously it was pretty sad when uh, you know we have to deal with the the piece of of him not doing so so well at the games but that's part of the game and i think uh, he he explains it really well and i think we get into that and hopefully we see him in uh, in paris on the on the top of the podium
1: yeah and obviously it's it's a tough time for you know for him and his, his stage but like you said you know that's part of the the insight into these the careers that all these athletes have that we we chat to and and you guys listen to and i think it's, a, it's obviously always important to listen to what you know what happened and what they take from it and then like philip is obviously such a good example and you know the explains what happened and 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 you know how what he took away from it is just It's just really interesting to to chat about that and also we had a bonus bit towards the end of our interview where we took the opportunity of chatting to uh philip to play a pronunciation game with many different gaelic names from ireland so it's quite a nice little mini game that Lawrence and i
0: tried our best to to dive into and if you haven't noticed uh i'm absolutely shocking at names i barely i just tiptoe around names all the time and let uh, let Jake tackle the the big ones he's uh, a little more versed in the in the English arts but uh, uh the names are really tricky so this is quite a funny uh, game for us to play and besides that Jake I also wanted to chat to you before we get going on your experience at Perluco I know the weather was wild and you rode in nine minutes in the in the single skull yeah tell us what it was like racing internationally mm-hmm. in the single you know know we there's there's not many people that we you know we've had a a few really good scholars on the show but coming firsthand from uh, the man himself what's it like
1: no it was awesome and just for everyone that's not aware of pedaluco it's a it's a quite a it's quite a big uh, regional regatta in it and italy and a lot of um big nations will send crews there so the romanians and the italians are always at that regatta and that's why i think we as a team always go there is because of the you know on the men's side i can say that like when you look at the men's pair and the four which is what we generally compete in the you know the romanians and italians have got a really good standard force and we always find good competition but yeah this time around i mean the men's single is always a good event they were I think there were about 29 entries in the the men's single. And yeah, I mean, there were some big names. Uh, the biggest one obviously being Stefanos and Tuskos from Greece, the Olympic champion who was racing at Petelukos. So, you know, it's a, it's a big regatta with some serious names and yeah, the racing itself, I had a lot of fun. It was a awesome experience. I was extremely nervous and, uh, you know, I was quite worried that I was going to get absolutely wrecked, but it didn't. It, it actually went pretty well. Um, the weather was wild. You know, I, I, I uh, got through the the heats on the first um, the first set of racing, and I was basically just one of the guys that just managed to get through the waves. And then I raced the B final for the first set of racing, won the B final. And again, basically was the one oak that caught the least amount of crabs and didn't fall in. And yeah, I mean, the second day of racing, I managed to beat Mundungus Kruskonis in the heat to go through to the A final had a good crack in the a final and then just blew up in chunks in the second half of the race (laughs) you're not going to get a lot of opportunities to race the olympic champion in the single skull he was right next to me in the lane so i thought i'd just kind of go out and get a taste of what it's what the 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 pace is like and just ride the lightning for as long as i could and i got to about 1300 meters in the house tickets but yeah it was a awesome experience and yes i can't tell you how good it was to be racing again and it's just kind of you know, just as soon as I finished racing Pedluca, I was like, "Fuck, I can't wait to race the, you know, the next World Cup." Go home and do some racing locally. So, I mean, it was an awesome, awesome regatta, and we always have good results there. Like you know, Lawrence
0: for sure, and it's such a cool regatta. I was very jealous actually. That's the the one of the the first times like since the the games where I've just been watching rowing and just been like, "Wow, man, that's I could I could be there. I could be back on the water." So really, really cool and. That got me on back on the ergo. I did a few a few sessions. They they hurt like hell, and uh, you know, my body's not uh, ready for that kind of pain. But Jake, now that you're back, tell us what's happening for your season. Where where you where you looking to to head up, and uh, are you going to stay in the single, or are you looking for some bigger boats, some friends to row with?
1: Well, you know, I actually really had a, a in-depth discussion with uh my coach yet so i can't really give anything away okay. but um more than likely you will see me rowing in uh, you know a bit of a bigger a bigger boat next time i'm out like i think i explained earlier i, I was racing in a single for the first half of the season or the beginning but yeah i've also had a bit of a span in the works so i picked up a covid infection and i had a small injury after pedaleuca so i've had a little bit of a rocky road getting back on track but lawrence you know plenty about that
0: yeah, injuries. Uh co- I'm still COVID-free. Not once have I had COVID. I don't believe that. There's no way Not that once, you have gone through this COVID-free. I've, I've been golden. You know, I picked up everything oh. else, but uh, my COVID seems yeah. to have eluded me, which I'm quite happy about. Okay. Um, I think just uh the the little bit of housekeeping for us uh before we get going, just huge shout out to our patrons. You guys are absolute legends. Thanks for sending us questions. Thanks for engaging with us when, we, um, when we're having the, the interviews. And some of you guys coming on, listening live to the episodes have been really, really cool. And then we always have a good chat afterwards when the, the, the guest leaves. And then we always chat about uh, our discussion, what the episode was like. And uh, yeah, really, really cool. So a uh, huge shout out to Jess as well. She's uh, been our number one fan. And it's really, really cool to, to have that interaction with the people that are, are enjoying the show. So yeah and if you're not on Patreon uh, you can go over there and have a look and see what uh, what we what we offer um, but otherwise just keep enjoying the show tell your friends about it and uh, yeah just share it help us help us grow that little bit bigger Sweet, enjoy
1: Welcome ladies and gentlemen to another awesome interview on the Ro show and today we are joined by Irish rower philip doyle philip thanks so much for for taking some of your time and and coming on the show well, thanks for having us guys. It's really an enjoyable process I'd say yeah awesome so straight off the bat Philip you know you've you've we've definitely seen over the last couple of years there's there's been like a new generation of of Irish rows come through after you know the rio games and i'm I'm interested to hear from your perspective what was the you know what was the impact of the of the Rio games with uh, the Lighty boys winning that um that silver medal on Irish rowing because it seemed to get a lot of media attention and there seemed to be quite a renaissance of uh, Irish rowing afterwards so I'm interested to hear from your point of view what uh, you know what what the impact was.
2: Yeah I think it was also great to see the guys doing so well um you know you you'd turned up and you'd raced against them for ages and I think you know they'd come 11th in the world championships the year before and then just through the year just went up 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 and just started winning medals and doing well and then I think it was in Brandenburg in Germany when I think they'd taken the European title and then everyone was like, like well they're pretty good um, or maybe it was one of the world cups I think and you know, it was really rough water. And they were like, God, if Rio's rough, these boys could do pretty well. And then all of a sudden the final was flat, but it was just neck and neck. And I was watching in training camp in Haslewinkle And I was like, this is, it's amazing to see, but in kind of like contradictory to like them causing the Renaissance. Yeah. The year afterwards, there was like a hundred more people at the like national trials, but nothing really happened that year, 2017 in Sarasota. There was two heavyweight men in a pair that year, um, and they're no longer with the program. Um, they they left the next year, uh, and I don't think that really went well. And the sweep program never they were in a pair and it never really took off. And um, the lightweights like just got stronger and stronger with Finton and his twin brother coming in. Um, and uh, you know that program was always self managed really to the side by Dominic Casey, um, and we had a guy in charge at the time Morton Esperson from denmark and i was kind of in college and uh, did world unis that year and was doing a bit of sculling on my own and then um there genuinely wasn't really anything still anything happening like there wasn't really that fire lit in the program at that stage Uh, and then along came uh, this high performance director switch from morton into this this guy called antonio i am not even going to try a surname, martin Ganelli or something I don't know. it's like <laughs> mario giovanni i probably butchered that um I, I i i can't even spell it on my phone and um, but like he came in and kind of just indoctrinated this new italian program Um, and he was kind of like yo like heavyweights are doing nothing here you're not really stepping up since the i think there's a men's heavyweight four went to beijing in 2008 and they were like you you guys have really kind of slacked off, and at this stage there wasn't really anyone under six minutes uh, on the on the ergo. There wasn't like there was no real physiology, there was no real base. Um, and he kind of stepped in at the end of Sarasota in 2017 after the World Champs, and then that was 2018. Whenever I was trialing, um, and then there was myself and uh, Ronan, and there was two other guys at the end of a trial, sort of around Easter time that year, and they sat us down in the room and they were like. do you you want to make something happen here? They're like, but it's a centralized program. We were all all over the place at this stage. And they were like, Yo, you need to move down. You need to commit. You need to start the program. It's an Italian program. We're going to do all these pieces. We're going to do all this mileage. It's going to be hard on your body, you know, but you need to, you need to really give it like buy into it. And at that stage, I was like, I don't really want to be a rower. Thanks very much. All the best. Um and a few other guys were like no yeah we might do it we might not but eventually we all kind of came together and we were like look we'll give it a go I was like we'll go in the double and the other two boys would go in the pair to the World Cup 3 in Lucerne in 2018 Um, and then the guy I row with Ronan said nah here I want to go to the national championships in a single and win the senior skull um and national championships in Ireland is huge like it's what people work towards and a lot of clubs will actually try and tear you away from joining the national team to try and perform and win national championships like I had a coach whenever I first went to my first trial uh, in like 2016 and he was like what are you doing they're just going to use you don't bother with the national team like go to Henley go to let's win Irish champs and I'm like I don't understand where this logic is coming from. Mm. Like, because I was so new to rowing, I was like, "Why would I not try and make the, the team?" I don't know, but um, it ended up that I went in the single to the twenty eighteen uh World Cup, and then I was due to start work in August that year. Um, and Plovdiv World Champs were coming up, and the coach I don't know how like convinced me to manage to take a a break from starting work and start late and go on the double with ronan to the world championships in 2018 and then that kind of sparked everything and even then coming into 2019 you know it was just me and ronan and the heavyweight men so it's only now that that the kind of the the heavyweight men side of things is starting to come along we had a Mm. under 23 men's four who did quite well he went to a few senior events and they're a little bit off in the senior pace but you know they're starting to really pick up and their physiology is getting better and um, there's a lot more people joining in and buying in and centralizing to Cork and that sort of stuff, but it's the girls that sort of really sparked off and really took off. But it was kind of only in like 2019 that that kind of happened as well. So I don't like I know your question was how did the lads spark a rejuvenation or a renaissance, but I yeah. I can't see a link. And um, for heavyweight rowing anyway, like there was no true renaissance off the back of 2016. The boys did great they did amazing out of it and um but i feel like it there was a lag of about two years before there was a, a real movement towards the heavyweight side starting to pick up
0: i mean even for us because we had the lightweights winning in 2012 and you know we have had like a slow and it's not like i mean we're not talking like an immediate shift straight away into um kind of just going from Cool. one crew wins and then everyone can uh can go and 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 then the, the team or the team triples or something it's just like a slow it's kind of like one crew just shows the the, the like the rest of the country that it's possible that it's mm. that you can go and do it and that it's not it's not like i don't know it's not out outrageous to think that you can stand on the on the podium and then that just that little bit of belief only has to convince you know four or five people and then suddenly your team is you know starting to grow and starting to, to look for, for more speed. And and then there's, and then that just brings in more athletes. And I mean, I think we've seen it the most with New Zealand. They've, they, you know, from uh, 2000, when um, Rob Odell won the Skull and they just kind of slowly, slowly built, built, built until they, you know, the powerhouses they are today.
2: Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. Like the boys winning the medals was like, it showed everyone that it could be done. But, and in the trials, you know, you knew if you were, on the prognostics like close to the boys you're going to do well so I suppose it definitely gave like a lot more crews confidence through the trial and process and it probably gave coaches a lot more confidence in sending people to events because they had that you know they had that target of if you're one percent or two percent off the boys you know you're you're probably in the you know coming into an a final or you're going to be competitive for that that a final place and it gives them a lot more confidence to invest and spend time on, on you as, as rowers. Um, but it was the real, it was actually the, the changeover in, in the performance director Mm -hmm. that that really, cause you know, I was, I actually emailed, um, at the end of our fourth year in, in, in college, we all head off for six weeks and do an elective placement. Um, and I, I was planning on going overseas, which would have taken me away from rowing. And I emailed the high performance director at the time. And I was like, I, and each like, you know, I was top of the trials, top of the heavyweight men, you know, wasn't wasn't close to the boys, but wasn't that far away either. Um, and I was like, Is there anything gonna happen here? Like, you know, I'm I'm doing trials every night, like every month. Um top on the ergo, I'm this, I'm that. I was like, Are we going anywhere? And he was like, No, we we won't be sending you to anything this year, like we don't even want you to relocate to Cork. And I was like right sweet so then i i left and spent three months away that summer and came back the next year in 2018 to a new performance director and then i went to the first trial with him and he was like right as soon as i did the first trial he was like you you coming down to cork now he was like (laughs) let's let's start getting this going like you're he's like you're obviously quite good but you're not good enough yet but he's like i want to put some some time and effort into you and, and see where we can go um, and that was the first time I was like, oh, someone actually has taken a bit of an interest here. Yeah. But yeah, like like you said, the boys showed that if we were close to them in prognostics and we could have a confidence that we knew we would be able to build boat speed from that and we could be competitive at that elite level. So the boys did give a lot of people confidence, yeah.
1: And Philip, just going back, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier just getting in the double with Ronan. I, I wanted to like dig into that a little bit because, um, you know, it was. I mean, if you look at your results, it's immediately apparent that there was there was obviously something quite special about you, the combination between you and Ronan. Because, I mean, you you made uh, the B final, at world champs, um, and then the next year, the third World Cup and it world champs, you uh, placed second. So, chat to us a little bit about the um, like how how it how it worked getting in the double with Ronan, and maybe when you when did you guys start to realize that? Wait, hang on a minute. We actually have. We got something. We got some real speech here because, I mean, also the men's double. If we're being honest, is probably one of the more competitive events on the on the rowing calendar. So it's not an easy event to break into. You have a lot of established crews. So it, it was. It's really exciting to see you guys go from twenty eighteen and then um, into the competitive crew that you that you were since then.
2: Yeah, and like I said, that first competition that we were going to test the crew out. Um, Ronan decided to go for the 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 skull back at the national champs, and then I went in the skull, and I, I wasn't that com- that competitive, you know. I think I placed in the C final, and um, I was quick to the one k, and but there's there's always that second one that comes. Yeah, um, I and like I, I think I I I gave enough of a showing that the coaches were like, okay, we have a rough we have a rough project here, but we want to see the double. Um And the reason was it was one of the trials where we literally, they threw us together and they sent us out against the two boys, um Paul and Gary. um And we took off and we were leading them to the 1500. And they, I think one of us caught a crab or, you know, lost, lost an oar. And then the boys caught level with us. And then they pulled through us in the last couple of hundred meters. And we were there within a percent of them then overall on the top ta- or within a percent and a half, I think. And the the lads were rubbing their hands together and they were doing all this and I was like, <laughs> What's wrong with you? We lost. And they were like, Yeah, but look what you did. And we were like, We don't really see it. Um, but we've we had two very different rowing styles. I like a low stroke rate, like I do in my steady state at 18, 19, like Ron does his at 21, 22. He thinks that you know, time on the slide is time wasted. So I had <laughs> to get used to racing at like 37, 38, 39 down the track it is in a in like uh even in the skulls like we were starting to push the rate and the double we were like sticking it up above 40 sometimes and i was like my god this is this is hard work like i'm, I'm getting yeah. no recovery time but i think where we really noticed the the potential in the boat was at, in Plovdiv. we didn't know where we were we had we had no other men's crews to to compare ourselves off we you know, we we actually prepare for the World Championships separate to the lightweights. They go to Banyoles, um, and we go to Varese. Uh, and so it we didn't really know, um, and it was genuinely in the the heat in Plovdiv when it was us versus New Zealand, and I was like, oh my god, they were world champions last year, like shh, mm. don't look
0: at them.
2: Um, and I was like, you know, Drysdale was rigging up a quad beside us, and I was like. <gasps> He's so close. I was genuinely like a, a, like a fanboy and um, just yeah. enjoying myself yeah. and having a great time and then we just took off off the start and whatever the Italian program does for La- lactate build or whatever we, we were like they were off, I think they did like a 601 that day they were going for a world's best time because the conditions in plovdiv were rapid um, and I remember being side by side with like the Greeks at one stage at like 700 meters and just pulling through them and just like I was like, oh, this is cool, and then we started pulling away, and then we came second in the heat, and then we both looked at each other, and we were like, we're not that slow, um, and it was it was really nice, and we were just like, I think there is something here, and like we don't row well, um, and I think it's fairly obvious to everyone who watches any of our races, we we are technically you would never use a video of us rowing to teach anyone else how to row, um, but there's just some there's just sometimes like there's a spark when we row and it, the boat just takes off. Um, and we, the half of our issue is we don't really know what it is. <laughs> it's sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Um, and But like we can build it and we can bring it in and make it more consistent. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. I, a lot of it is like a lot of the the blame and the onus comes on me because I take some, so much time away because uh, I work in the top end of the, the country. It, like obviously, north ireland and south of ireland are you know ones under british government and ones under the irish government so i my medical license only allows me to work in in the uk and the british government um and i i can't yet work in the south um because of Mm. whatever way the licensing works so until like at that point in 2019 especially i had to go back to work after the world champs um and you know rowing there's only one competitive season there's you know it's all loaded towards that summer racing schedule. And, uh, I went back to work. And then before 2019, we we'd come back in, we did the Europeans didn't go great. I think we'd just lost out to the French in the semi-final and making that, that a final position. And that really killed us cause we were beaten in the sprint and, you know, we took that really hard. Um, and then we came back then for the world cup too, and we sort of sat down we looked at each other and we were like, man, I'm not doing this B final anymore. Like, it it's it's hard to miss out in a sprint, and I know obviously like that's not possible. Some like especially in such a competitive boat class, you're gonna mm. be in a B final sometimes because you know you could end up with five A finalists in a semi final, um, and it could be yeah, especially game.
0: In the especially in the men's double.
2: Yeah, like there's so many. T- I think it was like France who beat us out that time, and I was like, you know, they were they weren't having a great year that year, but you know the year before they were on fire, and we were just like, you know. It is what it is, but then we sat down and we were like, Look, Olympic qualification, this is where we got to go. But at that stage, I think for the Europeans, we'd only been back together for about six or seven weeks. Um, and I was, I was like getting back into the physiology, getting back into the feeling, starting to like build that little, like, uh, whatever je ne sais quoi, whatever the hell we had. And uh, it just started coming then towards the end of 2019, and that's where we started getting a lot more momentum, building the boat speed, and um.
1: Yeah, so to answer your question, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so but I think the, I, I you like... can find the answer somewhere in that uh, in that dialogue. Yeah,
0: yeah. I feel like the it's a good time to discuss the. I mean, you're becoming a doctor and having to balance uh, being a doctor and and rowing because there's uh, there's not many people that manage to to hold any job, let alone uh, a doctor. I think well, who else, Jake? We've spoken to Jevy Stone.
1: Jevy Stone. Um, I think uh, I think that's about it. No, there
0: that's, was one more
1: uh, doctor there a... movie. Oh dude. Can't can't get it off the top of my head. Yeah, the I, listened it,
2: I listened to Jevy's episode was good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the,
2: no, no. the thing with Jevy is that she's very lucky. Um her job in America is kind of she can put it on hold. Whereas, where I, well, is. I don't know if, if she can or, or what, how difficult it is for her, but whenever I ask for more time off, I kind of get a, nah, you you have to come back. You have to give us a minimum of this amount of time and then you can go again. Because um, I think Jevy's a bit further on the process than I am and yeah. she's a bit more qualified so she can take longer chunks away um, from work. So that's where I'm kind of, where they have the noose around my neck is Um, I'm just, I'm like so far down the pecking order um. I can't I, I'm sort of stuck with that sort of side of things but I've never really had more than eight months in a row of like you know full time training before having to go back out for a minimum of four to eight months um, and I think I know like you probably chat about COVID but um, that's why I think 2020 was like that was the longest run we'd ever had together coming through 2019 world champs and then starting to build again. Mm. Uh, and then it obviously it, like whenever that came, I, I I couldn't just stay and row full time for another year and a, and a half or a year and four months. So then that took us apart for eight months at that stage. Um, so that was another like, like, yeah. Okay. People were, we all that the Irish team was able to keep training and it was really good. And like, but, it just wasn't possible for me to stay with them and um, because I kind of got yanked back in and it's hard to make a decision between like I didn't row before I started studying medicine. So medicine has always been first. So to me yeah. like rowing is second, medicine's first. But like rowing kind of does take precedent because I can be a doctor until I'm 70, but I'm probably not going to be yeah. at the world champs when I'm like when I'm 70. Um but I think it's that hard balance, isn't it? You've got a. everyone obviously has passions and hobbies in, in their life. Um, and I think everyone probably has this, you know, has some kind of decision to be made between, between something they love and another thing they love, you know, you've got, you've got to make a sacrifice somewhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously it's, uh, for, for, for you, it's quite a, a unique, um, uh, a unique place to be with balancing the you know being a doctor and rowing because I also for me, you know they, they the doc being a doctor is you know you have a, sort of a responsibility towards the, um towards the rest of your your society or whatever so it it it's it's a different kind of um it's a different kind of job to to balance, um and then chat to us Philip obviously going into 2020 the big thing that hit was was COVID and I'm sure for you that must have literally turned your world upside down and i mean it's it must have been you know going from training in in that year and then going into lockdown and i'm sure the the responsibilities you must have had uh, with being a doctor must have been quite quite something
2: yeah that that week was a bit crap well it's good it was bad good but i think everybody kind of seen it coming um and then as you know more world cups and the europeans and everything was starting to get cancelled and then final final qualification regard got cancelled and then i sort of sat my coach down and i was like you know this is coming like let's start making plans now and do you know when everyone's like has this i think like michael Brake was on he was saying you know we just trained as if it was always happening we we never let us out like that's all lovely and that that type of mindset is brilliant but it's not realistic so I yeah. was sitting them down and I was like look this is coming it's going to be cancelled can I start like making preparations because I know I'm going to get pulled in and they were like no 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 don't do anything yet so I was like fine and then the day it was cancelled it was like a Tuesday I remember it and i literally got on the phone straight after they were just like guys, guys it's been announced it's all over y'all have to go home blah blah, blah. so i was like oh, on the phone that like f- tuesday and then like, i started work like in three days time or something um because i was like there's no hanging around here and um, because the sooner yeah. i start i had eight months more to do of this like p- specific stage and um, so i was like as soon as i start the sooner i can be back Um, so i need to like get this chunk of time done and then i can come back into the team come back into the program and give myself as much run in then to the next year and at that stage we didn't even know if it was going to be rescheduled Um, it was just that it was not happening that summer so there was a bit a bit of a bit of a panic at that stage but yeah like you said it was um but it was nice to be doing something i suppose Mm. i'm not a am not a sitting around kind of person um and i i actually think it would have been harder to keep training at that time um and then just sitting around during the day and, and and not feeling like you know you were really able to affect things in between and i think that would have been a lot harder as well um but yeah like work actually like made that time period a lot easier because even though it was like tough and things like you still felt like you were you were you were doing something positive and i suppose yeah the sessions took a hit and there's sometimes when you're on four like working four nights in a row and you don't like you don't sleep and you know you can't do a long session on the air you don't have the mentality yeah. for it so it was a lot of a lot of watching netflix on the stationary bike a lot of like trying to do silly like like vlogs and trying to be as interactive with social media as possible because not for like oh look at me but more for like if i if i put this out there it has to be good you know it has people have to think that i'm doing loads or you know it kind of kept me accountable too um so i was like if if i'm because you can you can just get shut in on yourself as well can't you and then you you can take a self day or take a day off or whatever whereas if you're if you're thinking to yourself you know oh today i'll i'll look I'll, like if if this goes well i'll fire this up or i'll try this challenge or i'll try that challenge you know it keeps you engaged outside of things when you're quite isolated as well which i'm sure a lot of people felt and was was very difficult at the time yeah
1: yeah um yeah i mean it's obviously it was uh, it was quite a it was quite a tricky time you know time for all of us um and then moving forward philip obviously you know it was you, we weren't quite sure when the Olympics were happening, but what was it? What was the process like for, at the end of 2020 with COVID, and then getting back into into the boat again? Because you know, 2019 was such a spectacular year. You had qualified the boat, so you knew you known you had a spot in um, Tokyo. So, chat to us about getting back into the boat and getting that combination going with Ronan and moving, you know, moving towards the the Olympic Games yeah well the
2: we had the boat had a spot um, and i think that's the the mentality i i used the whole way through i was like look the boat's qualified you're not so you can't take you can't take this easy you need to keep keep the volume up and keep keep the intensity going and my my water exposure was pretty much nothing really um it was all on the erg um I was actually like really fortunate just before the whole lockdown I had just managed to get some equipment into the house cuz I was whenever I go home from the the centralized stuff in Cork like I was finding that I was struggling to get a, like to get a session in so I just bought a, bought a bought an ergo for the the garage so I had some I, I had everything I needed um in in the house and could just train away um Luckily, because I know equipment was, I uh, had people calling me being like, "Oh, do you know anyone who could get me a rowing machine?" And I was like, "No, I'm not. I'm not a, like I'm not a fairy godmother, but yeah, like it, it's gonna be this much, and you're gonna have yeah. to wait four four months." I'm sorry, um, and I think the thing that that really drove that training was there was a another young guy who came back from Yale um, Darrell Lynch who was showing some really good speed in the boat. Um, and then him and Ronan went in the double to the that like little Europeans they had in Poznan, yeah. Um And you know that they managed to pull it out of the bag and bring home a a bronze medal, and um, it that like that was great to see. And then I was like, oh, that's great to see, but that was really hard to watch. And, I'm you know, sure that's been really difficult to a watch. my seat, and I was like, but it's not your seat yet. You have to go back and take it. And um, so the whole that that kind of fueled my fire a little bit. Um, and then the transition back into the boat was actually weird um, because I had done so like literally no water work. And then all of a sudden was, was back in a boat doing a lot, like heavy miles in the water, I ended up with like a hamstring tendon, tendinopathy for like most of December, then had the trial, January, February, March. And it was just a matrix between the three of us over and over and over. Um and like always two in the two in the double one in the single two in the double one in the like switch switch switch, and then our women's four were hitting some like proper times. They were hitting like like really good percentages, and we were always just struggling and striving to try and like to beat them um on on percentage so like the, the races were brutal. Um, and I think there was one trial we had in, in Brazy, um, on the course that the Europeans were going to be on. Uh, And it was just, I think it was, they were just like, we don't know how many days of trials there will be just, we will give you the time the day before and the number of races. And it was all over 2k. It was all flat out racing. And it was just, you just had to go for it. And
0: And you're saying your, your, your performance director is Italian yeah yeah just, about right. <laughs> yeah and it was
2: one stage we we sat down there's there's me and one of the girls from the four we were very friendly we were like look we need to say something here it's been like four days and there's been two races every day and uh, we were just like we we needed like we need to know and i think it was to seat race the girls more but they were like sure look we're seat racing the girls we might as well seat race the boys again yeah. so see what they okay, can do yeah and at this stage, it was down to like just us. Then they'd sort of kind of chosen me and Ronan, um, and then they put they were putting another combination of the women's four out all the time. So every time they put a new combination of the women's four, so we just it became a pace boat. So every day we were just doing like trial two k, trial two k, trial two k in the same combination, and it, like the legs were heavy, the, the legs were very heavy, um, and I think we all then had a wee beer at the end of that like that wee series to be like thank god that's done um it was brutal and um, but like the water was class and the conditions were really good so the rolling was brilliant but it was tough tough work um uh, but it was like th- that's what drove me knowing that that was coming um, and knowing that i would have to try and you know take that seat back because you know it it's as you guys know you know anyone can take that seat in that boat yeah um it's whoever's fastest coming up to it so that like having Dara in that program um, and having him as a spare for that was, was, was probably like one of the best things we had coming up to that, those trials.
0: Yes. And then, so out of the, the many days of, of racing, which day did you have your, your best race on? Was it at the beginning uh, when you were still fresh or, or after you, um, it was actually, it was
2: probably, I think actually my best race was in the single during that honest. <laughs> it was, but i uh, know the double racing was really good um uh, and i think whenever we started i think it was the third third combination um with me and, and ron then um we started really taking it to the girls four and started really challenging their percentages um i think that that was some of the best days but i'd say we always lost even if we thought we'd beaten them they beat us by 0.1 uh, oh, like
0: that. that's the worst so there was always also, some sessions I mean- where we were like they the girls uh four had uh um had a quite a crazy time as well because they didn't train at all through through lockdown and and through you know 2020 they would just kind of okay cool well if there's no olympics and there's no qualification then we won't train and then when only when it came back on did they kind of um, well, maybe we'll get back to this
1: yeah but and they had the to qualify first t- as well
2: those girls were training hard i'll tell you this they were training hard Um, and they're shooting very very hard they just didn't know who was in the boat that was what yes uh, that was their hardest part but they they were training hard and when i came back down they were you know they weren't really even a four whenever i left and then whenever i came back they were a four and they were fast and they were consistent and they were training hard and they were pushing the physiology and they were they were hard to beat like the girls whipped us on we do percentages of ergo scores as well and I was just, I just had to accept that. I was like, I'm never going to get close to them. Like they're always thirty percent 4%. I was yeah. like, I don't know whether like Van Dorp and Josh Dunkley-Smith have just made it too hard for us, but like for us <laughs> to try and beat with a 536 or a 535. I was like, we're not getting close to percentages and then we like we sat down like we were scientists sometimes we sat down we're like it's a logarithmic scale as you get faster a second is more watts so if we have to go like 550 oh, to 535 we have to increase like <laughs> forty watts where if they have to go from a 635 to a 630 that's only 30 watts so that's why and we like we had it all figured out but never had it figured out and it was yeah but the girls the girls were going well um, and it, it, we always just tried to get as close to them as possible but they always just got us and there's sometimes we would come in and we'd be like
1: yeah we have definitely rattled them and they'd be like nah you're point one." yeah oh, every time. Yeah, that's the worst i mean i feel like that's that's quite a, a good problem to have because you know just from you know joining the team when i was younger and having our lightweight double lightweight four um you know, Lawrence and, and, and Sean and the pair, having those, those crews that are just a bit faster than you, they, it actually it puts in perspective and, and it sort of quantifies the, the amount of growth you need and kind of the room that you can grow and that you actually need to grow to kind of uh, compete at elite level. So I'm sure it must be nice. Um, obviously, at times, frustrating, but it, it must be good to have a, a benchmark and, and a crew that is doing so well and it keeps you hungry uh, week on and week off
2: oh yeah 100% and I think like if we didn't have them to chase I think if we were just the top it's it's always hard to be the top isn't it like it's always hard to be Mm. setting the standard so it like it's nice to be chasing someone like it's nice to be clipping at the heels of a of a higher percentage boat and I think that that was something that we really got some benefit out of as well at times when we weren't going well like if the boat didn't feel right but the speed was kind of okay but the girls were ahead of us we'd be like look the speed's okay but it's not it's not where it needs to be we need to push
0: mm-hmm. mm. and then because i mean we had a very similar thing in 2016 so me and sean would always train with the with the lightweight guys so john and and james and we didn't beat them once and we would try and go on on raw speed so we would try and beat them outright on uh on a piece but like nothing even if it was 200 meter sprints or you know something long on the on the yeah. water we would never ever beat them there were days when me and Sean would go out with like the sole goal of that session would be like to try and beat them in one sprint and we got really really close sometimes but never yeah. never managed the the win
2: but it keeps you that, that keeps yeah. you hungry and keeps you pushing a wee bit like it's good it's good it's good no for sure
1: and I, I also find it so difficult to you know at the end of the day you got to go overseas and you're going to be racing against other professionals and you're going to be in in races where it's literally going to be so brutal and it's so difficult to kind of simulate an environment where you are getting tested um, psychologically and physically to that sort of level and I, I feel like if you can somehow develop an environment at home where you can kind of put yourself in those situations that to a certain degree mimic what you will find in overseas racing it often is good good markers for success because you know racing at scene level so brutal you you have to keep you have to keep sharp and you have to always be ready for you know for what your your competitors are going to do overseas yeah and like that that simulation of that race environment
2: it's 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 just like you you can't get it it's half the battle is the unknown and like that first race you line up in the heat and you know you've beaten someone before but you're like i don't i don't know like they're not that person anymore so i think it's like you know that first it's hard to 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 build that to to have that uncertainty and sitting on the start line and you know 500 meters in you kind of take a big deep like oh thank god we're not slow but like it's it, it is that it's that like it's so hard to emulate that that feeling um, and i think a lot of people like search for it and that's we do a lot of trialing um like we trial at least once a month whether it's an like ergo testing or um some kind of on water assessment but we try and mimic that but it's nothing's the same
1: as an actual like international race no it's it's yeah there's nothing quite like the the real deal um, and, and and you know Philip, going into you know 2021, you guys get to you know the second World Cup, and um, I know you you obviously found some good speed, and uh, maybe you know Europeans wasn't quite where you wanted to be, but the you know that World Cup in in 2021 was phenomenal. I mean you had a very strong heat, very strong uh, semifinal, and then that I remember actually watching that the final race of the the men's double. At that World Cup, that that race there that you guys had against the Chinese was f- phenomenal, and I'm sure, you know that that again must have been a massive confidence boost. I'm sure with with you after the the COVID pandemic that disrupted things and and making it into the boat and having to race against the the women's four, there there must have been some sort of uh, an element of doubt that if, have you still got what you had in 2019 with all the disruptions that that have that have happened. And you guys must have come off that that World Cup with, you know, a lot of confidence and belief. Yeah,
2: and I think like Europeans didn't go our way at all. Like we we were just I don't know whether we weren't ready, but we had that inconsistency in our training. Um and it was still inconsistent at that stage. Um I think we kinda were a bit I don't know, we just, we weren't ready for, for what we had to do at that time, Um, and I think like that, like we said that heat in the Europeans I, there was a boat ahead of us, and I was like oh, who's that, and then at the 1K I was like, oh, they're still ahead of us, oh, we'll just, we'll come through them now, and then I was like, they're still ahead of us, It's like 500 metres to go and then I like was like, Look, we need to go now so we did this almighty sprint, and then just missed out, and then I was like, crap we're in a rep, later on today and then, you know, like that two two races in one day after a hard race and then our semi-final the next morning and you know the semi-finals in the in the, in the doubles or like you everyone could probably go through on the right day yeah um, and i was just like it was just and we went into that b final and i was furious i was angry <laughs> and i'm pretty sure I I, I I just was like right if we don't win this i'm quitting <laughs> and, <laughs> So we ended up winning the B final. I think we only won it in the sprint, but I wasn't like I was just furious the whole way down that track. I was like, I hate this place. I hate Italy. I hate everything. I hate this. I hate Rowan. Um, And then I went on the phone to my mother that night, um, and she essentially like my mom does not agree with Rowan full time at all. It's it's not a real job to her. She's real old school Irish mom, and she was she rang me up and she was like. I, you're not quitting that job of yours to come seventh. She was like, you better win <laughs> the next one, otherwise you're done. <laughs> so technically I That's had to, we had to do well in in Lucerne um because otherwise I would have had to quit or else <laughs> leave leave my family. But uh <laughs> no, we swapped by so now the very industry. high standard, hey? Oh, you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Um, but we swapped me into the stroke seat and um, just to give Ron Ronan a break. Um, cause I think the inconsistency in our training was, we were just trying to put our finger on where it was coming from. So I think he wanted a break to jump in the bow seat and, you know, just follow for a while and, and, and take a little bit of the stress off. And then the speed just like took up. Um, and we were far more, comp- we were a lot more competitive in training, Um, and at that stage we had the ladies with us because we were staying in Italy before just driving up to to Switzerland Um, and we had the ladies with us uh, and they um, sorry, for some reason it's just started downloading Excel (laughs) so we had the so we had the ladies with us it was we were staying in italy before driving up to switzerland and we were doing some serious pieces battling against them some serious one Ks. and when i say, like those two boys when i say they train hard and they train consistent like like paul it doesn't if he if he's racing somebody he's racing like you have to have your best day even to beat them on raw time we were do, like to beat them on raw time was a good day for us. Like we very rarely yes, beat them on percentage. That's outrageous. But yeah. Just to beat them on raw. Like we were doing um, four 1Ks, like all under like in around the three minute mark, like battering each other the whole Shit. way down, rate 40 plus, And it was like, it was phenomenal, but it was agony. Um, and I think that training block coming into that World Cup too, just gave us so much confidence. And then we had the heat against the French, and they had won the Euros. They were rowing so well, like you know, they're, they're two boys. You would use a video of to teach somebody else how to row. Um, like the boys are just rowing so well that year. They're so strong. Um, we had they had won Zagreb, uh, and then they were coming into the to this to Lucerne, and we had them in the heat. and we were like, ah, sh- right, fine. We'll try and take them to the one k, and you know, we'll, we might come second, but two go through, so it's okay. Um, and they were like but look let's just let's just have a go and then i think somebody else in this podcast uh sorry was talking about the irish playing a loudspeaker in lucerne before (laughs) one of the races that was me and gary um so we whopped on scooter back in ireland and we were playing like real hardcore tunes in this huge big speaker i'd bought and just for like training because we love to train in big groups all together and like headphones are no fun so we like you know someone gets on the the music and plays it for the session and uh gary and i like he was holding uh an oar up against one of the boat racks and i was sellotaping it round like with a we'd sellotaped a, a irish flag to the top and we put it on the boat rack outside our tent um and we were getting noise complaints and i think the italians had complained and i think the brits had complained <laughs> and i just looked at gary and i was like this is this is before our heat and i just looked at him and i was like we have to do well today you now. because <laughs> we have I've created also, so much
1: I've, i feel like if the italians are, are giving you noise complaints then you know yeah exactly it's so I, we were just like
2: this is this is pressure like we have put so much pressure on ourselves to perform purely on this not on anything else Um, and then we we were like I think we were like one of the fastest times of the day, and um, even compared to the other heat, and it felt good, and it felt really, really nice, and it felt relaxed, and the speed was good, um, and I think then that just gave us a lot of confidence going forward, um, and then yeah, the boys got us in in the final, um, but I think then that gave us so much confidence after that, then to to like to boost the training on, but yeah, like that was probably one of my favorite races, uh, ever that that race that final in in lucerne oh that's yeah i awesome. think
1: the the racing at lucerne is always so so great and you talking about uh playing music in a the loudspeaker there's a there's a movie called boondock saints and i think there's an irish song lawrence might know it that uh there's like a irish rock cover or something like that in that movie that is just the one song that's stuck in my head that's gonna be driving me nuts for the rest of the interview lawrence you know what i'm talking about. <laughs>
0: I do, but I'm not telling you. You can figure it out, Jake. <laughs>
1: oh, shit. Okay, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to work that one
0: off. The but I actually you were making me laugh about uh, that you were gonna quit because when we were chatting to to Adam Creek, then he was like, No, he quit once a week. <laughs> once <laughs> a week he quit rowing. Oh man. Yeah, no, I've
2: never actually like every time I've I've never th- <laughs> I've, I've stepped away and taken little mini breaks i call them little holidays um but i've never i, I actually i actually did quit after 2018 um because i was i genuinely was like i don't want to be a rower i've got work to do um and then my the coach our coach at the time um was ringing me like once a week being like have you actually quit are you serious but i was like yeah and then he was like, so after like three months of doing like just going to the gym i found myself on the erg for like 30 minutes before doing weights every day. And then I was, and then after a while I was like doing 12K and I was doing 16 then I was doing 20. And then I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm pretty much just rolling. I might as well just go back. Um, like it was enjoyable again. And then I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll figure it out. Don't worry. So I ended up then figuring it out.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and then obviously Philip moving towards the Olympics, uh, it was obviously not your, not your year. And, and it was a bit of a disappointment, but You know it's it's just i think it's a you know it's a good example of how brutal sport can be and you know when when everything seems to be going your way you know it's things might not actually end up being um being so and you know just now that you've had some time to reflect and stuff i'm just you know what what are the kind of sort of the lessons that you've taken away from you know racing at the olympics because obviously it was a it was disappointing for you and ronan to you know, come away with a a B-final finish at the Olympics. But, you know, in such a difficult um, event, and I remember actually distinctly watching your heat against, um, I think it was New Zealand, um, Poland, and Switzerland. Switzerland. I remember looking at that heat, and I think you won the first day of racing. I couldn't believe the the heat that you guys had to race. So I, I know it was a difficult... A difficult regatta but you know i think there's there's always hard lessons learned in these in these sort of things that at the end of the day tend to make people faster so I'm, I'm interested to hear about your experience and your takeaway from from tokyo yeah i think the the olympics just really exposed
2: myself and Ronin um for you know our technical flaws um and like how much improvement we need to make technically you know we're we're racers we're aggressive we're we we rate high we we sprint hard we we don't have amazing physiology but we we know how to like hit that hit that line early and and hold it and and be confident through it Um, and i think tokyo just swept the swept the rug from underneath our feet and big time Um, and i think one of the huge factors for the two of us that we were really like we struggled with through the first couple of like while we were there was uh the heat w- was obviously one um but i think we we can manage heat you know we've we rode in hot countries before um but the heat with the time difference um was he was big um like i swap time zones a lot for work you know like tomorrow tomorrow i'm I'm swapping on tonight so essentially i'm I'm going to australia for three days and then coming back um and then but like ronan had never been outside of europe before um and i think it's very hard to it's very hard to train for jet lag you don't know what it is until you like everyone's like oh it'll not it'll not affect me it'll not hit me but like it hit it hit like like a ton of bricks and he was like we sleeping was bad Um, like we ended up then splitting our rooms you know you sh- you share rooms in the village mm-hmm. obviously Um, and so we ended up splitting rooms so he had a room so he could like try and get better rest um, and I wasn't sleeping great myself but you know I, I was kind of used to that and I was like oh this might be normal but I still felt a wee bit you know physically just not at it Um, and I think we didn't realize the extent of the fatigue until the racing kind of started like our practice pieces were good um, we were doing some good pieces against the Lighty boys. Um, coming up like you know the two days before, three days before, like going through that last few days of doing wee pieces and little buildups. Um, and we were struggling then with the crosswind, um, and the technique, and I think it was just a combination of all of the above. Um, it just really, it like just that little one week link just completely tore it all apart for us. Um, and I think what we, we like we we weren't disappointed in you know being in a B final week we don't see that as a disappointment but what we what we were really disappointed in ourselves was we weren't competitive um in the semi final and i think that really disappointed us um like that we weren't pushing for fourth we were we yeah. were we were we were we were really down um and i think our rate was like under 33 that the whole way down that track um and we were like struggling with the timing, with the length of the stroke, with, you know, it all just kind of unraveled a lot. Um, and I think, you know, we've learned a lot of lessons um, together for it to move forward, hopefully. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, it it was hard to come from being so confident and, you know, trying to manage expectations and be prepared for things going well. Um, but I don't think we were really prepared for things to go that unwell. Um, and I think at that time, you know, we would always have been together. And then, like we've you've talked about it before in the podcast about COVID in the village, and you know everyone taking it really serious because you know you, you heard about people not not making a race or yeah. that was their Olympics done yeah. as soon as that positive test came up. So you were you were taking it real serious, and like the other boats in the team were taking it serious too. So I would be really friendly with Finton and. Um, the girls, some of the girls in the in the women's four, would be really friendly with, and you know everyone was managing their own expectations, and everyone was managing themselves physically, health wise, and injury wise, and stretching and warming up, and doing their own training, and then we split rooms. So, like I personally find the village a very isolating experience, um, and I think then we just lost that that togetherness and that you know that click that I was talking about earlier that we don't know what it is <laughs> and we know when we have it and we know when we don't but we don't know yeah. what it is and I think there it just we didn't we didn't know what it was and we didn't have it um, and we didn't know what to do to get it back Um so yeah the the olympics was uh, a bittersweet experience and um, obviously I've never experienced a non-covid olympics so to me it was great to be at the olympics um and it was cl- like i really loved at, when all the racing was over and meeting people who I, you know you haven't seen in 2 years probably won't see for another 2 years you know all like the nz boys um and that and being able to 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 chat a bit and that sort of stuff but um i think the racing for us was, was it was something that we are definitely going to have to take some lessons from because we're going to need to get something out of it
0: yeah I mean, it sounds like very similar to us. You know, we also had a, a you know, going in with uh, all the expectations, and then not managing to execute. So, my next question, because obviously we don't want to really uh, dwell too much on on it, but the next question was like, you know, a lot of athletes, much there's way more athletes that are suffering, um, you know, pain and disappointment after Olympic games than athletes that are that are chuffed and happy. So, how did you deal like with the mental side of things? post the games and and you know there's so much athlete depression out there and you know athletes that are that are struggling especially after big olympics so just talk us how did you cope with it maybe post in those those you know weeks and months after the after the games
2: yeah um well i can we came back and uh ireland is very strange i'm a i'm from the north which is a different country and yeah Northern Ireland. i I rule for the I row for the the island of Ireland but uh, but I could also row for GB if I wanted. Um but I came home on a, on like a Sunday evening and just went went to bed and woke up the next day and had my breakfast just in the house. Um, and I think everyone everyone came back to like parades and you know homecomings and all this and um where at the time that I'm from you don't you wouldn't put an Irish flag up in like Oh yeah moment.
1: I can imagine. It, it would would
2: probably be it would be be pulled down um and put on a on to keep somebody's house warm on an evening um but the like those we i found that week really weird because it was kind of like i had just been away for like a week in the sun and then come back um and a few of my mum's friends would have been like oh well done how was it and that was kind of it um and then i was like you know what Let's. We we kind of planned to go and do Henley in a quad. Um, myself, Gary, um, Daryl Lynch, the guy who was you know pushing for the boat before and yeah. uh, Ronan, and that was in like a week's time or something. So we'd agreed to do that, and I was like, look, I'll look forward to that, but I need something after this. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, I I I keep myself busy. That's how I. That's how I I survive. I'm not good and like idle hands, like are not good for me. So. I just rang up work and I was due to start in December after the, the world champs in Shanghai. um, And then obviously the news came po- pre Olympics that Shanghai world champs couldn't meet the COVID restriction requirements or, uh, so they were canceled. um, And then I was like, I'm just going to go back to work. So I just went back to work uh, okay. and that's how I managed that. Um, and just kept myself busy, moved to a new city and, and just, tried to enjoy work for a while and, and just, you know, not row and take some time away and, and just, just busy myself with another hobby. And and that's really how I dealt with it. But I know it is, it's huge. Like they always talk about, oh, you don't understand the post Olympic blues, but mm. I was like, okay, oh, can't be that bad. But it, like, it is, it is a, it is a very tough time. And especially when you're in a centralized program and then you're together with your team all the time. And then you come back from a huge event and then you just everyone You're, just goes Phew. yeah quite isolated yeah. yeah to their own spots their own cities their towns friends groups and stuff so yeah,
0: yeah. You what
2: are you, want, you what know, are it's... the
0: what are the hobbies my hobbies yeah well,
2: um well i i collect gin <laughs>
0: collection
2: that's fantastic yeah so I love collecting like bottles of gin from everywhere so I was I I I have a huge collection from you know just not really getting the opportunity to enjoy it over the last while so I would have had the odd the odd gin from a different country that I've been to a little place um, uh, and I have a little bit of land um, that was left to me from my grandfather out only like a couple of fields so i like i went and tidied that up and did a bit of work around there and that sort of stuff but yeah um apart from that i just love drinking coffee drinking gin and being active so did a lot of cycling and that sort of stuff yeah i suppose just for a a
1: doctor and a rover it's uh there's not that much time left in between for for other other hobbies
2: no, I tried to learn an instrument, but I'm not musically gifted at all. So I put that put that away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I in lockdown, I actually made gin. Um, yeah, like I was making beer and stuff already before, and then Lawrence has in got lockdown, some real
1: skills in that department. It's then... really easy to make, isn't it?
0: yeah it was pretty easy and then also because there was no there was no alcohol sales in south africa for ages so people were going crazy and then i was yeah just making liters and liters of it so that was not so bad
2: <laughs> you could have made a tidy wee profit
0: i sold a bit but i won't disclose <laughs> the income <laughs>
1: oh <good> t- <laughs> I, I thought, I- <laughs> yeah so, um, Philip, I thought, considering that we've got you on St. Patrick's Day, which was actually completely coincidental, I decided it would be a pretty cool idea to play a, a, a small little, a small little game to kind of uh, end in the interview off just before our quickfire questions. And you know, obviously, Ireland is is known for um, the Gaelic language, and uh, you know, some of the names out there are quite difficult to pronounce. So I thought I'd. I'd Put a challenge out for Lawrence and I to to try and pronounce some of the the names from Ireland and see see if we we even come close with you to judge. Well, here I might not
2: know them either. Wow, well, it's oh, going no to be no interesting. Name, I, I learned French and German in school. I didn't learn it like I. Afric Q from the women's four was trying to teach me Irish when I we 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 lived together for a bit of time, and I am not good. Like
1: Banya is milk, and that's all I know oh i know okay. that's okay i, I posted them there on the chat so i th- i thought we got to go one and one and see and see how we end up
0: but do you those, know them, yeah. how do you do you not know them
1: i lawrence don't worry about me i think you should just worry about yourself
0: okay so we'll go through there so they're all names jake or they just words? No, those
1: no 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 those are all names that i found no. maybe yeah. i don't know how, how popular do, do those do those make sense there philip
2: yeah
1: they're they're all
0: they're all names yeah okay so okay. jake's posted uh for the listeners jake's posted a, a list of names and the first one is easy we should all know this one hey eh? yeah that's pretty easy so I we, we got yeah we got siobhan up first but for those of you who don't know siobhan is spelt s-i-o-b-h-a-n Hell. which is uh already on the the the, the exotic <laughs> side the exotic of things side so jake do you know the the next one that you got do you want to spell it out okay. and, then, and then try and Philip, then... do you
1: do you recognize that that next name
0: yeah he yeah, said yeah, he got yeah. them all he said he oh, knows them yes
1: all. Yeah, yeah okay um oh boy philip you're adding some more to the list yeah fantastic yeah that's i would go the, that's what I, I can't straight... spell can. Like... okay I don't, we'll 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 attempt it i'll say maybe i'll just go with chloe
0: I'm gonna go with Cloda. Cloda. I, it's gonna have it's gonna have a silent. So the, the the name is spelled C L I O D H N A. It's cl-
2: cleaner. What cleaner? I suppose
0: yeah. yeah, because I suppose the the B and the the D are they the silent letters.
2: Yeah, the D, the D
1: and the H are kind of they're not really there. Okay, so they kind of throw those in just to distract you. Yeah. all right the next one um also i don't even know if it's a if it's a male or female name which which kind of helps so with the top line
2: the top line are all female and the last one is is female but the three beforehand are male but then i suppose nowadays they can be either okay we well I, I
1: 100% know the name on the slips, but i'll go ahead and, and go with uh um Blonnie is the next
0: name. <laughs> That's not gonna be right. So, the next one is B L A T H N A I D. Um, I actually don't even know where to start.
1: Lawrence, put yourself out there. It's like, I don't even know. Don't like... Think about it,
2: just read it and don't say the letters that you don't need to say.
0: Oh, so like blath Blafney,
1: what? Honored.
0: <laughs> no, that know. wasn't
1: even <laughs> Philip. That was the worst advice I've ever gotten.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh the next the one. next one is
0: easy, Marianne.
1: Marianne, I'm gonna go with Maureen. Yeah, it's Maureen. Thank oh. you, Lawrence. Infinite yeah, knowledge. Yeah, I'm Jake, cultured. Jake. I'm a cultured man. We're gonna have know, to post actually, this. I'll post them in the show notes. I will post them in the show notes for the episode so everyone can yeah. really have a look. I know 100% the next one. So Lawrence you That'll
0: first. be the first time anyone's ever read the show notes. Do you know that cuz there's he's one of the Irish rugby players. I actually no
1: no no not of Irish rugby players just from general reading. I do know what the the next one is. Lawrence you, you know this one. T A D H G. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. I know how to pronounce it's that. D
0: DHG is not a combination of letters that are supposed to Dude, be in the English language. This is language.
1: better. This is better than <laughs> pronouncing Polish names. So it's it's one step below that.
0: Also, I'm sure the listeners have all figured it out, but I am shocking with names just in general. If there's ever anyone's name to pronounce, it goes straight to Jake and Jake is the one to um with his you know English major. It's it's his job to to come in and pronounce the the names. Um. no I have no idea no it's man like, you
1: have to say something
0: it's like tag
1: no it's tig oh, it no called. it's tag
0: it's, it's a tag, tag.
1: oh, oh my yeah, god yeah. I got sold <laughs> down them, the river I thought it was tig
2: yeah there's a there's an Irish, famous Irish rugby player called tag oh, that's shit. how he
0: spelled it Whoops. Okay. Come on, no, Jake. Mind, you're supposed to be the confidence. one with the, the rugby knowledge as well
1: yeah okay so next one eugene
0: <laughs> e-o-g-h-a-n i'm gonna go with something way out there i'm gonna go with something like Vaughn. so
2: the next two are actually the same name oh how <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, is that so even easy. possible they're both, oh, they're both owen
1: owen Oh my word! Jeez. Yeah, But the first one, if you change that o to u, you get Ewan. But it is Owen. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll skip the we'll skip the second spelling of Owen, and we'll take Philip's suggestion for the last one. But I, I'll go with the next one and say
0: that's Miva. M, e a, d h, b h. That's not real spelling. That's that's not cannot be a real a real name. Um it's gonna be uh, sure. I wanna say Mave.
2: Yeah, it's Mave.
0: Take on a natural. Well, both close though. And really
2: both pretty
1: close. There's two bonus ones for you. Two <laughs> bonus ones. Okay, next one. I'm gonna go with um I know Connor's an Irish name, but I don't know if that's how you spell it in, in Gaelic. Um, do you want a tip? Okay, no, we don't give, me, give me some... No no, 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 I want a clue. No. I want a clue. I want a clue.
2: Okay.
0: It's, Get a clue. it's
2: traditionally not a male name. Um,
1: traditionally not a us. male name. But it can be, if it's traditional a male name, but it can be a male name if, if you... Special. Well, in 2022, you can be whatever you want to be. Okay, yeah. I suppose that's true. That's very true. Um, I'm going to go with Claire. Or oh, oh, nope. Carrie, or something like that. No. Nope.
0: Do you want to go? She's horrid. Let's say, what is Charmaine? <laughs> Charmaine. <laughs> that's a South African no. name, I think. Charmaine. Eh? Kiva.
1: Kiva, yes, there was no way. There's no ways we're going to go with
0: that. Well, that's hard because that's not a a name you would get in South Africa, because we get like a lot of people are called. um, We have a lot of uh, Siobhan's. Neve. Because isn't Neve also spelled? Yeah, um, Neve is Irish.
1: I didn't put Neve on the list because we we know Neve. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they all have about six
2: or seven different spellings as well. Like some people just spell it phonetically, and then. But yeah, yeah. there would be the traditional ways of spelling it. And then that last one, do you have any idea what that is?
1: Oh. Is traditionally male or female name?
0: No, we're just going with Anne. That's what, that, female. that's what that should be. A-I-N-E. It should be Anne. Or
1: Ian. What about Ian? No, it's Anya. Anya. There's no ways. Anya. I wasn't getting that okay. right.
0: <laughs> well, our listeners Fantastic. can go into the... Into the show notes and and see the, the outrageous spelling, but yeah, and Philip. And if if you, you
1: if you were slightly nervous, you weren't going to be able to pronounce them. There must be some outrageously hectic ones out there. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm I'm working in a children's ward at the minute, and there's sometimes I walk in and I'm like, is it? And then I'll have a go, and then they'll be like, no. <laughs> there's one the other day I went in yeah. and I was like, oh, is <laughs> is it? And then I said the we I said the girl's name, and then her mom was like, "Maybe in France it is, but no." <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: hilarious. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, tough so sorry.
2: yeah oh. it's a tough time. The one yeah. I get really stuck with is there's Fia, and Fay, and Fie, yeah, and they're all spelled the same. You just have to know which one
1: the it is. Person. interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, fun. Make your life hard. So Jake, we should go.
0: I think we should go quick fire questions, and then you should put a one or two Afrikaans words for Philip to pronounce.
1: Uh, okay, I'll do that. I'm not. I didn't study Afrikaans in school, but I'll I'll, I'll find something to put out there. Oh, but you'll be okay. um, so, so quick fire questions, Philip. Um, the first one, if you've listened to the show, you know what's coming. If you could race any boat class at the Olympic Games, what would it be? I'd race the quad. Yeah, because I That's think a- the
2: quad would be the fastest down the track. I can't. I can, I don't know if I can sweep, so I don't know if I would trust myself. But it'd be the fastest down the track. It'd be good fun, and you just go whoosh, 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 backwards and forwards,
0: and yeah, oh, it's class. Yeah. no, it's got it's the real speed. The 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 quad. Yeah.
2: And it's small enough that you can like make a big change. You know, it's like it's small enough that if like if you go, your boat speed can really change. Whereas the eights, you know, it it takes a lot to start picking that up. But in the, I think in the quad, yeah. you can really take it off. Like,
0: yeah, I think the quad is like much, almost more of a sprint than the. Yeah. the it although actually the eights also just flat out from the from the get go. So I think when once your race starts going close to five minutes, then there's there's not much time for any rhythm no. and a settling in the middle. So yeah. that's perfect into the the next question of who would your three crewmates be in your quad, if you could choose anyone from anywhere.
2: Anyone from anywhere. I'd have, I, I don't I like, I don't want to blow his head up, but I'd have Bondi. I'd, oh, have, Alex I'd have Alex Hill. Good choice. Alex Hill. Um, and i i want to feel i want to feel the legs of van dorp so i put i'd put him in there as well oh that's cool
0: that's a good combination and And how you how you're sitting
2: uh i'm stroking it (laughs)
0: that's
2: That's,
1: um that's a smart choice because alex hill and uh, Hamish bond are also really good scholars yeah so that's why I, I, wanted, that I, want to see, I want
2: to see I want to see the. Bro- I want to well actually you know I put Alex Hill in the stroke seat and then yeah. I I'd, I'd slip in in the middle somewhere even though I'm probably the the worst <laughs> have the worst ergo actually friggin I'd end up on by and then but I can't steer and then the two boys in the middle
0: that's pretty that's pretty good because the heel I don't know if, if if Alex can sit anywhere other than the stroke seat because he's got to drive yeah, on so that he's got, he got to drive on that pace
1: it. yeah um. So the next one, Philip, is what is your favorite rowing race? No, to find we yourself? we
0: we also wanted to ask, uh who would you co? Who would you get to coach your your quad?
1: Oh yeah, of course. Oh, who would I get
2: to coach it? Oh, I don't. I don't actually know. I don't. I don't know that many coaches. Oh, um,
1: radgrave Nice, good choice there. Learning from the nice. finest in the in the sport. Nice,
0: Jake. Who would your coach be if you had to choose to um, coach a four?
1: To coach a four?
0: Well, well, oh. quite. I mean,
1: well, I. You don't discriminate, yeah. I think if I had to choose any coach to go off, it, it I would guess I'd have to choose, um, um, Jürgen Krobler.
0: I would choose I would choose Jürgen only for the fact that if he only coaches my quad, then it has to win gold just to keep his, his streak yeah. up. So he would put in the most effort to make sure it happened. Yeah. But actually, the other one I would really love to get coached by is, um, is Tady. Yeah. And I think... Yeah, Mike Tady would be cool. I think he would be interesting. Oh, and then yeah, I also I think I would maybe... I would like to just try one week with Dick um, with Tonks and just see if I can ride the lightning.
1: Yeah, if you can, if yeah, you can, can hang on there. That, I'll see as well. <laughs>
0: if I can make it one week, I'll be, be set for life. Yeah.
2: Do you ribs you fracture
1: by the end of the month? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dangerous. So the, yeah. the next question is, what is your favorite rowing race that you, you find yourself watching over and over again? The
2: well favorite road race that I'm in is the, the that final in in Lucerne in the second World Cup in mm-hmm. 2021 because it just like it gives you it like it reminds you that you know you you can actually like race well and and push it even if you're not if you've had a bad race before so that's I enjoy watching that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's um, always it's, good to good to go there. back and and watch your big races. I always in, enjoy it as well just gives you that little bit of fire to, to get back on the water and get, uh, you know, you've been so close or you, you've done it before. Then you know that, okay, it was right there and I wasn't, I can do that again. Yeah. So then the next one is if you were in charge at world rowing, what would you change?
2: Like, can I have a list? (laughs) No, you have to, you can only,
0: you got it. What's the top of your list?
2: um more guys um like more of a i think i think the the best thing is the the sport needs more exposure i think is one of the huge things and obviously you can do that so many ways so many ways but i think they need to have you know more there needs to be like more like three 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 races four races in a year is you know for an entire year of training is for me it's not enough i want to I want to race more. I want more opportunities. I want to see more locations. Like you know if if you look back over the last couple of years I think I've been to like five locations, I think. You know, but raced so many times and you're just like you need to get the sport out there and I understand it's a hugely Europe based, but to build spectatorship and to to make the sport more accessible and to do all those things, you know, you need countries need to be willing to travel to different locations um, and get more people involved and the more places you bring a sport to the more places that will take it on the more competitive the sport becomes the bigger you build it and i think that's one thing that world Rowan can do better instead of you know recycling the same venues you know two italian venues in one year what's supposed to be world rowing not european rowing and i understand the logistical issues there as well but it would be nice to see Rowan brought to more to more locations
0: mm. Nice
1: definitely and i think there's mm. always you know this is probably one of our favorite questions to ask because i feel like there's there's a lot that uh there's a lot of innovation that i feel like there there's a lot of room for innovation in the sport yeah yeah so the next one philip this is this is the big one is if you um what is your your 2000 meter pb on the on the ergo machine
2: it's not great like it's 549
1: Five forty nine. Yo, I don't know. Oh, He's going off there with yeah. It's um, you know, I think that's that's pretty res- respectable considering. And we do indeed. Yeah. I don't know if Lawrence has got it open at the moment. I've got what it open. Doing? You got will I'll let you do the honors, Lawrence.
0: So, um, Philip, you're just sitting there with a the, the good company of uh, Sam Locke from Australia and Brian Volpenheim, who stroked the the American eight um sam lock the boy he the boy he does like the 500 meters in like one minute and four yeah. seconds or something yeah Jesus. so he has the he has the 500 uh yeah, also really quick then he has i think he has the 1k world record or He had it for yeah, for yeah, a while does, yeah. and then he had the yeah. 24 hour world record in, in in a team of two so yeah, that's not yeah. that's not too too bad uh you just no, behind. The, there's
2: always been my weak point i suppose it's like yeah. I race hard but don't have that big of an engine but it, it goes fast <laughs>
0: uh schedule bosch and uh cameron griddlestone from australia those are those are both at 547 those are the guys ahead of you you yeah. you're quicker than jake Vetzel from canada drew gin australia adam creek canada robert lucan from the the stroke of the the dutch eight and zeno muller so you're doing okay
2: I think it'll be nice if I can get more than eight months of training. I think that that yeah yeah I think that's gonna help
1: a lot.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and then I haven't. I think you're gonna finish. I I haven't updated. it. There's a few more names that we from our last episodes that went in, but I think you're gonna be 18th. Yeah,
2: up twenty. I'll take it.
0: Yeah, so not too bad. And then yes, so that's uh, that's pretty good. And actually, everyone that always starts their their answer with "oh, it's not so good," it's a da 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 da. Always dishes up some it's big every numbers. Every
2: rower is programmed to yeah. want. want Needed to be a little so bit quicker. Yourself is not good enough. Then you know yeah. you need to go faster.
0: Yeah, um, and then the last question is: if you had to choose a different sport to go to the Olympics, in which sport would you choose and why?
2: Hundred meter, hundred meter sprint. That was a that's quick choice.
0: That's the one. Yeah. Oh, I've thought That's about this a lot.
2: Yeah, <laughs> all the glory, nine point whatever seconds
1: done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's it's a complete shift from from rowing. Rowing's tiny sport, the most yeah. aerobically intense thing you could possibly do. Not that the hundred meters is not aerobically intense, but it's completely on the other side of the spectrum.
2: Could you imagine the training? Could you imagine the lifestyle? No.
0: Oh. And if Italy can win, then if Italy can win, then why not Ireland?
2: Exactly. The only thing is, my skin color has me at a slight disadvantage, just because of yeah, muscle I, density I, and physiology. But yeah, oh yeah, I think so. But, yeah, like uh, one rep, one reps in the gym, no ninety-minute ergs. Oh, the life.
1: But I think on the flip no. side, imagine how hard it must be doing semifinals and heats in hundred meters when you're dealing with that, those kind of margins. It must be outrageous.
0: I think yeah. like the the pressure to perform, the pressure to execute your your race is I think must be crazy. Because you're like you literally have no margin at all. You know. Yeah. I mean think how many crews, you know, even the French at the at the games catch that crab at the end and still win. And if I you're know, in a hundred meters and you yeah, do that.
2: You'd be so happy with your lifestyle.
0: Yeah, I know you would be. And I remember chatting to you when we were training uh our training center in Pretoria, then i we'd chat a lot to the sprinters. And I just yeah, their training just it blew my mind. Like we just sitting there flogging miles and miles and miles, and they're like, Oh, we just come back. Maybe did like four K's of total running and you know, a couple intervals.
2: Yeah. And the uh, I think like the like that answer I give for changing the world row into like more locations I'd be very friendly with one of the like the Irish sprinters, and she was like oh, I'm in Paris this week, I'm in Madrid this week, I'm going to New York next week, I'm yeah. going and I'm like oh,
1: that sounds fantastic,
2: and I'm like yeah I might go to Belgrade, <laughs> you know, <laughs> have fun yeah. in Munich. Yeah. Uh, or, I suppose we are going to Munich this year for the European games, but like their lifestyle is just yeah, like, it's very different. Just, you get all the major cities, the cool spots where like we fly into Milan and then drive out of it, fly yeah. into Barcelona, drive out of it, yeah, yeah, have you
0: raced in uh Petalucco?
2: yeah, Peco's class, yeah, it's a lovely location, <laughs> but even still, like you're not in a yeah like you' <laughs> in a big metropolis, you know
0: <laughs> We told the Italians that we' coming to Peluco, they're like, why? why do you come here yeah, up there. like there's so many better places to go and you're like no this is this is our spot this is the
1: place this is our spot yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. you boys
2: always travel to pedico i yeah. I remember going there with my university team years ago like just to see what international racing was like and there was a south african pair there it might even be one of you two was it yeah i'm sure yeah, what yeah, year probably was that? it was lawrence 2015 oh it could uh, be both of us
0: yeah i would have been there i was racing no actually 2015 i didn't race i didn't what? race and i didn't go to Petaluka. I was just starting training again
1: oh shit there
0: just was, had, i think I, it was just
2: there. No, there was very there wasn't yeah. like, and then there was another. no no, no there were two pairs period.
1: it was it was i was i was there but it, i was like a university pair at that stage it was me and a guy called leo and there was another pair with sean and uh, sean david. keeling and must and must have been david hunt yeah um yeah. He, was our, he was our top and player. vince but must Lawrence have been around just, as well vince yeah vince um no he wasn't either i don't, either.
0: I don't no, think he was there either. i
1: think he yeah i
2: don't yeah. i don't think he was there yeah. i was he on diet did, one of your pairs won quite a lot to be fair yeah well,
1: yeah we,
0: we've we done pretty well in pedaluco it's been it's a it's really nice for us because it's like early on in the season we get there yeah, we lots get, of race we get two days of racing and and four races so it's really like nice. There's the
2: sometimes look who can be like a little mini world cup. Like they need, mm. that's what I, like that's what I mean. More of those, like yes. sometimes you have like the Dutch, Romania, Lithuania, yeah. like us, like there's one of the doubles races we were lining up and we were like, "Bro, this is going to be pretty hard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Was it 2019 Jake when he raced the the eight?
1: Yeah. We raced tw- 2019, Race the eight We put together. Yeah. South yeah. African eight after all of us had done like, uh, two full days, of racing, um, two different regattas, so tired legs, but and, it was flip. it was it was awesome. And we got in,
0: we got this Italian cox, and he just literally just screamed blind at us <laughs> the whole way down the track, and we didn't know anything he was saying, but it was fantastic.
1: I was also you know, shouting yeah. from the four seat. I was also took the the, the um, responsibility as the caller and the crew, and we went yeah. out the blocks, and I remember we just got dropped in the second half of the race. We actually weren't too bad, but the out the blocks got dropped so badly. And I looked across, and I, they were just moving away so quickly. And I was just flat blatantly lied. I'm like, "Guys, we're moving. Let's go, Ten. <laughs> <10." laughs> oh,
0: oh, but in 2015, yeah, yeah, Jake, yeah, I was, was on—I was in diet though, because I was. Yeah. Still, still so Lawrence so fat. just
1: finished flipping chemotherapy from having flipping cancer. That's why he wasn't there. You're taking
2: it. You're taking the tough road, were you? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I just, uh, I just had a little, a little holiday. <laughs> A little sabbatical um and then i'd come i had actually started training but i still weighed i think yeah, you were eight kilos yeah
1: you were yeah, you fast. were definitely not in racing shape at that stage of the yeah. game.
0: and then yeah. um and then i'd try to do and then the, the coach literally just said like you're going well but you're way too fat basically so like everyone else <laughs> went to pedaluco and i just trained and ate nothing basically i just went Completely on the a, a mega fast, basically, and then I you on huge fake steroid doses, were you? Yeah, because it was oh, it was bad. Yeah. yeah, the cortisone.
2: My friend, my friend was going through chemo there recently, and I met up with him, and he was like, "Shut up! I know I'm fat. It's fine." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like you have it's little so choice in that situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the steroids,
2: man. You just eat and, eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, and it just goes straight on them hips.
0: And I was yeah. doing no, like obviously I couldn't do any training, and I was like getting yeah. pumped full of the nasty stuff. So I was just uh eating whatever the whatever I wanted and whatever I craved. I just smashed in my face and dealt with it later.
2: Yeah, that's what you gotta do. Yeah, you gotta keep the keep the body filled.
0: Because yeah. like, I usually race at like ninety four around there and then i think i hit 108 or somewhere oh, around Jesus. there so and then i was back there in like three months back to like 95
1: yeah yeah
2: it's mad but once yeah. i think once you have that level of training in your body like yeah. no matter what insult you give it like if you're smart you can like you'd actually shock yourself how quickly you can come back yeah and then also
0: i wasn't sick with cancer anymore so that helped quite a lot i think
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah not having <laughs> cancer is a big plus <laughs> yeah it's a big one <laughs> highly recommend it for a full-time ruin career <laughs> yes yeah oh, no, that's, that's very yeah.
1: true anyway philip it uh, it does bring us to the end of the interview but i'm gonna pop in two names there from lovely south africa one's an Afrikaans name the next one's a closer name so i'm gonna see if you your, your, um, see how you do it. Okay, okay. There we go. The where okay, do I start you, and where
2: do I start? There's f- the so the they name both it-
0: they're full names, so they're like, they uh, so it's a first name and a surname,
2: yeah. But at the end of that word beginning with W, the next name begins that's, with L. That's a separate, yeah, that's the second a name. Name.
1: That's a name. That's a second name. That's a that's a okay, first so name. So
2: and the a second one name. is is the second one is Lunwabo.
1: <laughs> not bad the lenovo is correct but you pronounce the second name Monde. Monde. Ah, yeah you got the click in there that i can't do this yeah it's uh because, like, it catches it catches people i had to i had to throw it in there considering that it's one of the i thought noises. i thought it would be like
2: a, mm, and then the gc would be the click okay.
1: no it's that's a bit of like a it's more of like a silent a silent thing they they three right. clicks in, in closer and they get modified a little bit about what you know what you're putting before and after it. Okay. Yeah. And then the first one,
2: uh it looks like it's straightforward, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Jacob van der <laughs> <laughs> It's
1: way no, more
0: straightforward. You're trying too hard for them. Yeah,
1: I think you're trying way too hard in that that first one. No, the surname is Jacob quite tricky. Van der it's it's sort of there. It's um, Jokubas van der Westhagen.
2: Yeah, not what I said at all.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, you must uh, come spend yeah. some time in the, the. You must come spend some time if you ever need some you know trauma trauma training. You come to South Africa and then you can test out the all the different names we've got out here. Well, until Rowan took over my life, my plan was
2: to come and do a year of A and E trauma specialty training in um in in South Africa. Yeah. Yeah, that would be man.
0: good. Both my parents are doctors, so I'm sure they'll squeeze you in some way.
2: Uh with the Rowan is take it, I'll be I'll be too old now to be taken taken years away. And oh, I yeah, get back I'll have to voice. get a black career ladder or,
1: or my mother'll be Yeah. Putting you, yeah. hundred percent. Beating my ass. But um, yeah, Philip, I think that that brings us towards the end of the interview. Just uh, a huge thanks for giving us a bit of your time, um, and yeah, thanks for yeah making the time. And it's been awesome to chat to you. We'll probably get the episode out in the next couple of weeks.
2: Perfect. Thank you very much for having me, gentlemen. Of course. No, thanks. Really,
0: it's been uh-huh. really awesome. So yeah, huge thanks. And let me just quickly stop the recording. Yeah. Cool so that's a wrap of Philip Doyle and what an epic episode I'm sure you guys enjoyed that as much as we did we had such a good chat with him and yes I absolutely love the show what do you think Jake
1: my big takeaway I think was um I think that just talking about the the olympic results obviously Lawrence and I had a similar situation going to the olympics not getting the best result and it is a bit of a downer but you know, just talking to you know someone that kind of had a, a similar experience of not prob- not getting what they, I guess, what they aspire to get at the Olympics, and just speaking about going through a process like that. You know, you know how how do you deal with it? What are the what is the, what are the, the the routines and habits you try and um, establish after a result like that to kind of come back to a normal state of mind? Because obviously, finishing Olympics, even regardless of the result, there's a huge there's a huge like drop off of the emotional, physical, and just the whole experience of it. Like coming off an experience like that is is not easy mm-hmm. to cope with. So just tr- talking to him a bit about yeah. that, I really enjoyed. And I can tell you from experience, even from racing in general, like having huge racing and then having an emotional drop off and trying to return into like a normal state of, of routine is, is not easy and it can be difficult to deal with.
0: For sure. And I think my, my best uh, piece of the episode is where we like, we were discussing how, you know, sometimes they nailed it and it just, the boat just felt perfect. And then other times they were like slightly off and then trying to learn what that is and what that, what's that, what, what's causing that and and, and how to make sure that you do that less and less. And I think just the way he, uh, Philip was thinking about that really shows that I think they're going to be a phenomenal force in the next, uh, the next few years because you know th- those kind of feelings just take time, and you know when we chat to athletes, you know like the Sinkoviches or athletes that have won for a lot of years, I think that element comes quite naturally to them. But you know, for um, for a lot of the the for a lot of athletes, I think that's a very difficult thing to to find. And that I love that part of the the show. I thought that was really really cool. So yeah, I think that they are going to be a real force in the next cycle and the double is going to be such an epic event i think you know it's, it's an event that we haven't really like i don't know we, we obviously go into it a bit in uh in some of our episodes but we don't really go crazy uh into it in a lot of over the last few years and i think this next olympic cycle is going to be on the, to be the top of the list a lot of the time yeah
1: no i cannot wait yeah. to see the double obviously the sinkovich is going into the double is um is even you know just having them back is, is, is going to be wild and yeah, like you said, it's just going to be really cool to see because I think you know Philip and, and Ronan are right up there with, you know the the fastest doubles in the world, even despite the fact that the Olympics didn't go according to plan. But yeah. I think you know besides that, Lawrence, thanks for everyone out there for listening. You guys are a huge just um, you know listening to the show, uh, talking about it, sharing it. That makes a huge help to us, and then obviously a special shout out to our patrons that keep the keep the show going. The real the real heart of the show and you know you guys are the best and your support it kind of uh is overwhelming at times to think of the you know the contribution that you guys given. so if you're interested in patreon go ahead over there have a look at our you know mm. what we offer for for our patreon members and yeah i think besides that Lawrence, what else
0: yeah well uh, for the patrons i'm even going to post a little picture of jake's get up uh setup oh, that uh, get no, up that he's got rolling Yeah and uh and we'll see you guys will see I, you'll understand how difficult it is for me to just work with this man how can i look Dude. at this and, and, and record audio it's uh, it's quite ridiculous but anyway guys thanks for listening and we're out